All right, we will be joined in a few minutes by Travis Sachuk, senior MLB writer with the score. Author also of Big Data Baseball, which uh, I presume most of you, if you're serious baseball fans, have have read. If not, at it. We've also got a pair of Blue Jays tickets to give away this hour, and Jeff Blum will join us ahead of the Jays Astros series, which uh, commences tonight at the Rogers Center, 707 first pitch, right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. And Sportsnet Jose Urquidy will take the hill for the Astros. You say Kikuchi for the Blue Jays. Saturday, a reminder again, the Saturday start is 307. Saturday will be Luis Garcia against Jose Barrios. And uh, on Sunday, it'll be Framber Valdez for the Astros and Kevin Gossman for the Blue Jays. Bark, that's some, that's some, that's some serious pitching this weekend. <laughs> that's crazy. That's even who do you think has the advantage? Non dead ball era series. Pitcher. Who do you think has the advantage, the pitcher or the hitter? Because that's the second time in a row now that they're matched up to, against the same pitchers. Who has the advantage? You know, I don't know anymore. Who do you think has the advantage with the way video and everything is now in the game? I, 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 I don't think like it's not like one of these dudes is going to show up with a trick pitch all of a sudden. They, you know, the guy that would. Kind of the wild card in all this is Kikuchi. Because we don't know what Kikuchi we're going to get tonight. Other than that, I, I, you know, look, Kevin Gossman, you know what he's going to throw you. Right? If you're the Astros, take a guess what you're going to see from him. I tend to think that it doesn't matter. I just, I'm not certain it matters anymore. Well, Kevin Gossman, I don't know if anybody has, has the advantage. With split fingers, it's a little different. You, that's a pitch you rarely see, and he throws it, uh, you know, so good in, in a in a great location, and it has you can't such hit it. late it movement matter. to. Even if yeah. you're looking for it, it's it's really tough. You know, you're trying to guess along with with counts and you know, how many times he throws it in certain counts. You're trying to guess along with him. Maybe you move in the batter's box. I always thought the more times I saw a pitcher, better chance it gave me to barrel up baseballs. And not to chase. That's the biggest thing. And getting leverage counts. That's now you talk to every hitter. It's all about leverage counts. Can I get an account where I can zone up and think about getting myself in a sound mechanical spot to where I can deliver the best blow to that baseball that I possibly can? And the more time I see a pitcher, the better chance I got of doing that. So you would certainly think this time around that the pitchers have to locate a little bit better, and then the early encounts have to be. A finer with secondary pitches because that's when these guys are that much better is when Gosman can flip a get-me-over slider oh oh to get ahead. Now if you're a hitter, what are you thinking? So if they're, they can do that, uh, again, I, I always think it's it's the hitter's advantage, but again, these guys have been so good early in the season that you know the way they're locating and the way they're getting ahead and the confidence that they have. Yeah, it's 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 going to be fun to watch. It might be low-scoring games again, so if you like those, pitching and defense... I'd probably tune in. Yeah, the uh, series that these teams played last weekend in Houston, the Jays took two of the three games. They lost the last game 8-7 on the Jeremy Pena, Jeremy Pena walk-off. Um, they, were, they were fun games to watch. Both teams are playing. Like, I, I know about the Astros. I know all about their history, et cetera, et cetera. But, man, I love watching them play. And I thought those games were just... 
they were good baseball games. There was, there was a lot of, I think Dan, Dan Shulman made the, made the comment during the game. There's a lot of baseball going on in those games. Like there really was good defense, you know, timely hitting, good pitching, uh, a lot of strategic stuff. It was just, it was three, there were three really good games and I expect that this weekend. I, I sounds really like, do. sounds like Jose Altuve will be back too. He, he, I think is a hundred percent. There it is. Him leading off instead of a, of a rookie in Pena. I know that, that, you know, that Dusty's moved him down to make it a little easier for him to get fastballs and fastball counts. But that's going to be a little tougher, too, facing Altuve. He's very aggressive. you got to make some good pitches early. That'll help the offense for the Astros. That'll make it a little tougher for the pitch for the Blue Jays. Uh, as we mentioned, we are giving away Jays tickets all year on uh, Blair and Barker. And uh, we've got a chance for you to win a pair of tickets right now to uh, win games or win tickets to see the Yankees and the Jays at the Rogers Center on Tuesday, May 3rd, with our daily trivia question. Yesterday, we asked you, this pitcher started his career with the Blue Jays and went on to pitch a perfect game with the Yankees. The answer was David Wells. And today's question is to win tickets to the Jays and Yankees at the Rogers Center for Tuesday, May 3rd. The question is as follows. Charlie Montoyo played four games in the majors for which team? I think he went two for five. Charlie Montoyo played four games in the majors for which team? You can text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See the rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. And again, you can, you can win whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. Or if you're watching it on 360, a reminder, we will be on 360 again starting Monday. So text the correct answer to 590-590. I'll repeat the question once again. Charlie Montoyo played four games in the majors for which team? Text the answer to 590-590, and you could be off to the Rogers Center on Tuesday to see the Jays play the Yankees. Oh, who, by the way, have won six in a row. Orioles will do that to you. They give you a chance to, to get hot quick. He's got a lot of games against the Orioles late in the year. A lot of games against the Orioles late in the year. That's why this this 13-7 and seven start, you know, beating the Red Sox, when the Red Sox aren't hitting, when they don't have Tanner Houck, Chris Sale's unhealthy. I, I mean, I, I have a feeling at the end of the year, Pardon me. I have a feeling at the end of the year, Kevin, we're going to look back at those games they played against the Red Sox, the games they've put in their hip pocket. We're going to go, Dad, was pretty. Those are pretty good games to win. Baseball is those such a confidence driven game that being able to win games like this because you have really good starting pitching and you know that's starting to fall in place. And I know Pete Walker's doing everything possible to get Yusei Kikuchi and now. Even Ross Stripling. Look at Ross Stripling, the way he's pitching and, and the command of the fastball. And he's throwing harder. And I'll ask you the, the, I'll ask you the question. I, I, I don't think your answer's changed. I'll ask you the question that we talked about a couple of days ago. Right now, I'd rather have Ross Stripling than Hyunjin Ryu. I, I, I do right know it will, it will make them be okay with Ryu taking his time. That, 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 that I do, that I do know. Uh, they, and they're they're going to need they're going to need some 
decent starts from Ryu throughout the entire season. They they, they can't do oh, it yes. with these probably five guys, and they're going to need some some feel-ins, and they're going to need Ryu, Ryu to not be great, be decent, come back and command and maintain velocity and have good arm speed, all the things that he does. He's not expecting him to go six or seven innings, but give you five solid innings. If he does that, he'll be okay, but I'm with you. Ross Stripling, it's impossible not to root for Ross Stripling. He does everything possible to help the, his team win, which is exactly what you want a guy of, of his caliber and, and who he is as a pitcher to do for your team, especially on a good team. He's throwing harder. That's on purpose. He's locating his fastball more. That's on purpose. He's elevating heaters more. That's on purpose to help his I team don't know. win. I don't know about you, but, I mean, I, I you say Kikuchi, I think they're going to figure it out eventually. I... I've seen Pete Walker do it before, and I, and I think when I say figure out, you say Kikuchi. I I think they're going to get him in the in in the right place where he can be, he can be a very, he can be an adequate fourth starter for you. He's not gonna he's not gonna kill the bullpen every time he goes out. That's what I think the goal is with him. I look at this rotation, and you're right, Ryu. When he comes back, you're going to need him to give you some good outings. Um. You are going to eventually, you would think, have Nate Pearson up here. So now I look at this at this pitching staff, and you know, just kind of closing your eyes and looking ahead a bit, Kevin. There could be a lot of options for 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 Charlie Montoyo and and Pete Walker in about two weeks. There could be a lot of options for them. I'm sure that they're praying that that Nate Pearson can turn into Garrett Whitlock. That that's exactly what you're wanting big pitcher to look like is a, a super hybrid who can dominate with two pitches coming out of the bullpen and and if he needs to spot start and can sprinkle in a third pitch with good location, that's what you're expecting because of the high, high octane velocity. I know when I was watching Garrett Whitlock, I was thinking to myself, man, that's exactly what Nate Pearson should look like. Is that right there locating yeah. late movement, devastated, uh, uh, devastating against right-handed hitters? That's that's exactly what you want it to look like. And yeah, I'm with you. It's for me, the offense has to catch up to the pitching. That that's the one thing for me anyway. Defensively, they're good. Base running, they're good. Base running, they're the good. offense, though, the offense, Kevin shouldn't. I mean, Casey's right. Bo Bichette, we know what, what type of, hit, of a hitter he is. And, and I'll say this. Even with the dead ball and everything, if you look at Bo's underlying numbers, he's barreling more balls than he did last year. Yeah, he walks and strikeouts. One's down, one's up. But he's making good contact when he does make contact. And I also think that Bo Bichette is the type of hitter that Whatever ball they're using, whatever the end result is going to be, Kevin, Bo Bichette, I think, is a good enough hitter that he will maximize his abilities and his numbers at the end of the year will be where they should be based on what the game is. Right? It would be, however, whatever ball – I mean, if they decide to use a bowling ball for the rest of the year, at the end of the year, Bo Bichette is going to be one of the best bowling ball hitters in, in the game. I just think that's, that's, that's the way it is. That doesn't bother me. Matt Chapman, look, when Teoscar Hernandez is back, I just want Matt, Matt Chapman, get me a double. Get me a double, pull the odd home run, play the type of defense you're playing. I'm happy with that. This offense doesn't bother me. 
The runners in scoring position number, I think that'll improve naturally. And as I said, we may just have to adjust what we what our expectations are for for the team's offense this year just based on the ball. We we may have to do that. What what you're saying and and is be a tough out. When you're yeah. a tough out because you're such a good hitter, you're going to have your numbers at the end of the season. Well, he spent a lot of time today talking about the baseball, and uh, Travis Sawchuk is a senior MLB writer with The Score. He's written extensively on this, and I, I posted a link to his article uh, yesterday, and I will do it again uh, today. Travis, thanks so much for joining us. It's, you know, I, was, I was reading your article, and I made the point we had Sean Casey on, and I made the point I'm reading your article while I'm watching the Boston Red Sox play four games at the Rogers Center and not hit a home run, which, you know, uh, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that just doesn't happen. And, I, I mean, I've got to ask you, I is, is there – I understand it's early in the season and there's the usual caveats, right? Short and spring training, hitters trying to catch up, warmer weather, all that good stuff. Um, but is there – is this just the way it's going to be most of the year, do you think? It's as simple as that? Yeah, I, I do think there's going to be this year-long, uh, in general terms, of reduction in fly ball, uh, fly ball distance. And I do, unless they have the uh, super fun ball of 20, 2019 <laughs> and, and storage that they reintroduce, and they probably have a supply of it somewhere, unless they change the ball and, you know, they used two different balls last season. They just didn't tell right. anyone. <laughs> you know, if they reintroduce uh the livelier ball that could change, but what we're seeing in April is the the deaden ball they introduced last year. In part, I think because of all the criticism that the uh, the other ball was too lively. So I, I think we've been dealing with the the uniform newer deader ball season, and I think the only thing that might if they don't change the ball, if this is the only ball they use all year, the fact that the uh, the humidors are in all thirty stadiums uh, in more humid climates the humidor could make the ball rel- relatively more lively in the summer when temperature and humidity levels creep up. But uh, you know, I think the the, the dead ball is here to stay all season unless they introduce the, the previous one back. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because, Kevin, I want you to tell Travis's story about the Jays and batting practice, and I'll just set it up because, like a lot of teams, Travis, the Jays, the Jays grade their batting practice, and they they – collect analytical data based on their batting practice. Kevin, just tell Travis what, what we were told by a couple of people with the team. Yeah, it gets back to Travis's point there where the, the, the two different baseballs, it sounds to me like I was told anyway that they use exit velocity and launch angles from the balls last year in batting practice this year. And then with the balls in the games with the same exact exit velocity and launch angle, you see where the baseballs are going. And I just don't, Travis, you, you've obviously done a lot more work into this than I have. I just don't understand why baseball would want to do this. It's it's almost like sometimes baseball can't get out of their own way. I, it's you know you want you want young people to tune in. You want it to be exciting. You want it. I just don't understand why they're so such a drastic move to you know it's it's like so bouncy that it flies the other way and little people are hitting home runs all over the place. And now it's this drastic you know point where nobody can hit a home run i just don't know understand why they can't meet the middle and say make it fair if you can hit home runs you're going to hit home runs yeah no it's uh it's a valid point and i 
I I don't know this, but I wonder if baseball officials, because we're we're all aware of the crackdown and sticky stuff that started last year, and uh, it's been more thorough this year with umpires checking pitchers' actual hands between between innings. So I wonder if baseball is thinking, well, we'll get strikeouts down, and we'll have this better ball. We'll have more balls in play, you know, more guys running around the bases, more athletic plays, that sort of thing. But it hasn't quite worked out that way. Uh, we've just seen off uh, run scoring levels come come down significantly, and I don't think you know I don't think that's what they want. I can't imagine baseball officials wanting their game to be less exciting, but uh, that's that's what they've done early this year. And I just wonder if they uh, they don't quite appreciate just the the level of the, the enhancements and advancements in pitching development just continue to exceed what's happening on the hitting side. Fastball velocity is at a new record level. The average major league fastball is now 94 miles per hour. Uh, I think we're all aware of the designer breaking balls that, you know, were once, you know, a few years ago, there were no edutronic high-speed cameras in baseball, and, and now they're everywhere. I was at Blue Jays camp this spring, and they have these high-speed cameras on intra-squad minor league games. So they're looking at... Uh, some teams are looking at every pitch that comes out of a pitcher's hand in bullpens or games, and they'll make that slight tweak to a grip, and they'll you know, whether it's the sweeping breaking ball or they're trying to tunnel pitches more. It's just that the science and database development on the pitching side it still exceeds that of hitting. And I think any time you deaden, you, re, you put uh, these restrictor plates on the ball, to, so to speak, and reduce offense. You're not is baseball really taking into account the continued enhancement on the pitching side, and I. I think they kind of missed the mark there. Uh, pitchers keep getting better, and now the the ball's less lively. Uh, and the the other interesting thing is, you know, defense uh, outfielders are playing as deep as ever this year, and batting average on balls and play is down too, which is another interesting thing, dynamic even beyond the home runs. So that's kind of a long rambling answer. But just to summarize, uh, I think pitching remains ahead of hitters, and it continues to be. And with a dud and ball, that's not a great recipe for uh, excitement and fan enjoyment. You know, I I had a conversation with a um, former major league player on the the day that we started to hear that that the CBA was getting done, and uh, this guy was a very involved in the players' association. He was a terrific offensive player in his day. And he was talking about the rules changes and, and all this stuff and how he was making the point that he thinks you know, once everything, once all the new rules are in place, once we figure out what we're doing with the shift, once we figure out what we're doing with the pitch clock and all this stuff, he thinks he, he said he's an optimist. He thinks the game's going to be in a good place. It may not happen this year because clearly they're, they've taken a, a, a graduated approach. But he also made a point. That at the time, I just kind of rolled my eyes and thought, okay, this is an old ball player talking and an old union activist talking. He said his concern was that offense was going to be diminished to the point where it was going to have an economic impact on players. And, and, and that essentially, fewer home runs, fewer runs scored, guys, especially guys who weren't locked into long-term contracts, they were going to end up being paid less. Now, you know, and again, this is we, baseball loves a conspiracy. We we, we all know that, but I is there something there? Yeah, I 
I can't speak to that. I would have no knowledge of that. I know some other active players have speculated a uh, similar conspiracy theory that they've speculated that you know, baseball's looking at the free agent classes and can we are there a bunch of sluggers due to test the open market and we should throw the dead and ball out this year. I I don't know. Uh, but that's I, pretty uh, Machiavellian, isn't it? Even <laughs> even for Rob Manfred. Yeah, I. Uh, I, I would struggle to believe that, but I, you know, I have no, you know, no knowledge either way. If they're really looking that far ahead, I, I do think, and I've seen this in some responses and some things I've, I've written about it, and uh, you know, I think baseball is reacting to so many complaints that oh, the game a few years ago, the home run records, oh, the this ball is cheapening the game, these home run records are a joke, and, and that sort of thing. I think maybe it's just a reaction to trying to make the game more fair and balanced and the intentions were good. But I just going back to the pitching side of things, I just think baseball keeps miscalculating how far the advancements are happening on the pitching side. I mean, look what the San Francisco giants have done with pitchers last, you know, last few years, no one saw them emerging as a hundred win team, but you got Logan Allen making these great advancements. And uh, I mean, Carlos Rodon was already great, but he looks even better uh, early this. I mean, so what they're doing on the pitching side and other teams and the you know Blue Jays are investing in this too. I just I don't think there's people know it's happening, but the I think I don't think the appreciation is there. Just that pitching keeps getting better, and if you make the ball less lively and reduce offense in this era of with the shifts still on and maybe outfield alignment changing a little bit, uh, yeah, scoring's going to be down. Travis, uh, what what if what if you know it's one thing for a role player to come out and complain? Andrew McCutcheon, sort of, he's not really a role player, but he's at the end of his career. He's mentioning something up the baseball. I got that ball; it should have went twenty rows deep. It barely squeaked over. I was praying, running around first base. It's one thing for him to say it, but what if you know the elite players, the elite hitters in baseball, started complaining in May, middle of May, saying something's up the ball? I'm just not hitting home runs like I'm supposed to be hitting you think that would change major league baseball's mind and and draw attention a little bit more to it to where they would have to do something with the baseball yeah i i mean i think the more voices that speak up and especially prominent ones if you get mike trout and superstars or you get uh you know vlad jr bobisha complain about the ball uh that (laughs) that's going to be heard and you know i i just wonder and i you know just watching you know, I, I flip around on my MLB.tv account to watch different games, usually most nights, and I feel like I've seen a lot of batters think that they've homered, and then the ball ends up on the warning track. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I have to, you have to believe in major league clubhouses. There's a lot of hitters complaining right now about, especially ones that played with the previous ball. They're, you know, they're feeling like they're getting shortchanged, and it goes back to the point made about the economics. And uh, some of these guys are in arbitration or entering free agency soon, they're not going to be very happy about it. So I do think we're going to hear more and more complaints as the season goes on. Uh, and then baseball have to, and their Rollins partner, uh, which, well, they own the company now, but they'll have to reassess the ball again. And it, uh, it they really have to figure this out because I think it goes to the integrity of the game. They you keep changing the playing ball every year. What are we dealing with? And it'd be not, you don't hear that in the NBA so much. Although I guess they did change the ball recently, but typically you don't hear about that in the other sports. The the plane implement the ball is the puck is not usually uh, such a source of angst every year as it is in baseball. It'd be nice to find a 
maybe they should get some players counsel together and get some scientists and try to create the, the fairest ball and can consider all the, the uh, variables, you know, we've discussed today, but uh, yeah, to your point, I, I do think we're going to hear more prominent hitters complain about this. If this continues. Yeah. And I think especially for baseball as you, you know, they move into full fledged partnerships with, with gaming companies. I mean, that's, you want to have some sort of, you know, as you say, the implement of play, you, you'd like to have some sort of consistency in it. Um, and, and that's, you know, there's, there's not, there's another economic angle to that as well. Travis, really good of you to join us. Thanks so much, man. Terrific article. Thanks, Travis. Thanks for having me on. Great speaking with you, you guys. Know. Take care. It's Travis Sachuk of the score. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, like I said, there, there could be Kevin, there could be an economic impact. If you're Bo Bichette, you know, you're getting to that point where you're looking at big money, and if you're counting stats, we call them counting stats, but those stats still count towards how much you're getting paid. I don't know. I mean, at some point, guys, you know, when you start taking money out of people's pockets, that's when they get really pissed off. Major that's League when Baseball, really, that, that's Ma- when they really get pissed off. Major League Baseball would never come out and say that. You nailed it. When I was listening to you talk, I really had not thought of it that way but you nailed it minimum wages went up now it's over 700 grand absolutely this is exactly what's happening they're thinking okay if we do this down the road we're going to make up for it by doing something to the baseball stats go down now we can go to these players and say well you didn't do this we don't have to pay you as much they'll never admit that because it'd be crazy for a a uber rich person to ever admit that they've done something to the baseball so they can benefit from that down the road but you think about big picture and you use your noggin it's a thousand percent what's happened i just walk up to the blue jays players and go hey Where's the ball going in batting practice that the ball used last year? Third deck. I watched Teoscar Hernandez hitting balls off the fifth deck to right center. He's a right-handed hitter. You don't see that in a game. There's no chance that's happening in in a regular season baseball game in 2022. I think you're onto something. When you asked that question and I was listening to you say it out loud, it makes perfect sense sense that this is exactly what's happening. And it's not good for baseball. You want a specific part of players games to be shown i took pride in being a guy that could hit a home run to left field i was a left-handed hitter meaning i could let the ball travel i could create backspin my mechanics were good enough and i had enough power more than most people that i could hit a home run to left field last year it was little people were going the other way make Mm. the ball normal make it to where that's something to watch that oh you can go line to line and still hit home runs that way and they've taken that away from it from baseball and i said it right and i'm going to continue to say it sometimes you think baseball can't get out of their own way yeah by everything oh, listen, that they do listen it seems to me that you know, we're, we're at we're at a moment now pitchers are complaining about the tackiness of the ball hitters are complaining about the way the ball is traveling or not traveling I mean, I said this the other day, Kevin. It's what is it? Ten billion dollar a year industry, whatever it is. It can't be that hard. You own for 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 God's sake, you own the company that makes the damn baseballs. It can't be that hard to come up with a ball that is standardized. They're going to be 
every now and then you're going to get. I, I get it. Every now and then you're going to get a ball. It's not going to be. A, it's not going to be a pearl. I, I get that. There's going to be flaws in it. So the pitcher throws it out. But there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way to standardize the ball so that everybody is just annoyed enough. The problem right now is we either the pitchers are pissed off, or and it's not fair to them, or the hitters are mad and it's not fair to them. What we need is a ball that everybody kind of gripes about in terms of in, 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 in terms of distance. That's the way I look at it. Right now, I'm not, you know, player, pitchers are complaining about the tackiness, the grip on the ball. I don't like that because that gets to player safety. That's not what I mean when I say keep everybody unhappy. I, I, I don't want that. I want people... I want people just a little bit unhappy with how far the ball is going or not going. That's, it seems to me that it's, it, it's just not that difficult. I still haven't seen a pitcher for the Blue Jays complain about a baseball. I talk to pitchers, pitching coaches all the time with the Blue Jays. I have yet to hear somebody complain about a baseball being. A couple of years yeah. ago, you had guys complaining about the seams in that. That was a couple of you years know, ago. That's that not this year. That was a couple year. of years I, ago. I have not heard anything about that, and I'm saying that is a small group of people that want something to complain about and blaming something about not being able to command fastballs in, throwing change-ups, all the things that go into being a pitcher, which you're asked to not do anymore. You're more of a thrower than you are a pitcher, and... That again gets back to that whole baseball thing of how you're raising these guys in the minor, at the minor league level to how hard do you throw? It's not can you can you throw a fastball down and away? Which I was r- raving about uh, Alec Manoa yesterday about the fastball command away and the elevated fastball and his misses were so good commanding the fastball. How many people do you talk to that about? No, you don't. There's more of a consensus about how hard you throw and the baseball thing for me is is that's a little bit more on purpose. Because they can figure it out. There's a bunch of smart people running baseball. It's possible for me to think that they don't know something's up with the baseball. It sounds to me like it's on purpose. Jeff Blum is the Astros TV analyst. The Astros are in town for a three-game series against the Jays tonight. Lots of good pitching ahead in this series. And as we mentioned, these teams played three really good games last weekend in Houston. Jeff Blum joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, a reminder that Kevin Barker and myself will be on Blue Jays Talk immediately following tonight's game between the Astros and Blue Jays, a 7.07 first pitch at the Rogers Center. Jose Urquidy on the mound for the Astros. And you say Kikuchi on the mound for the Blue Jays. Tomorrow's game is a 3.07 first pitch. Sunday's, as always, is 1.37. Let's bring in Jeff Blum. He's the Astros TV analyst. He joins us on Blair and Barker. Jeff, thanks for joining us. It's always good to talk to you. Uh, it's always good to see the Astros in town. These teams, These teams... These teams play pretty good games generally. I thought that series in Houston last weekend was there was a whole whole lot of baseball going on in that series, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. It was a lot of fun. It's good to be on with you guys too, and uh, it's it's great to actually be back in the city of Toronto and and enjoy baseball live on the road. But 
there's a lot to be excited about. But at the same so great to have the Astros up here competing against them because that series that we just had back in Houston was actually a very entertaining series, even though it didn't go the Astros' way for two out of those three games. Jeff, we always try and break down certain new guys, like you say Kikuchi's a new pitcher to the Blue Jays staff. We try and pick out every little thing that he's not doing, moving on the rubber, he's not throwing enough of these pitches. And we rarely get the the, the thoughts of an opposing team who has seen – you say a lot. I'd love to get your thoughts on what you've seen, what you like about him, and, and what makes you sometimes scratch your head about him. You know what? We've actually – it's kind of funny you said because, you know, having Kikuchi in our division, pitching with the Seattle Mariners a couple of times, there's obviously experience with the Astros against him. And, you know, we've seen him be extremely good. We've seen him get roughed up a little bit. And the times that he does get roughed up a little bit, it's when he's not really aggressive with his fastball. He's kind of nibbling on the edges. And when he falls behind in counts, sometimes that fastball can flatten out a little bit and get and get hit hard. And when it's getting hit hard, there's usually a couple of guys on base. And that's where you kind of start to see the downfall of Kikuchi against the Astros. But then I see, I've see i seen him up in Seattle throw close to 96 miles an hour consistently. Uh, he gets off the outside edge and gets to the inside edge and really stands up some of those really good right-handed hitters because I think he gets in trouble when he loses that cutter to the inside corner and he loses that forcing fastball to the inside corner because if he can't get to that inside, it you know not being able to locate on the inside takes away a very good changeup that he does have. So if he's able to locate that cutter on the inside to stand those guys up, it opens up that outside corner. But if he loses that inside corner, you know as well as I do, Bark, you know, if, if you don't have to worry about getting blown up on the inside and you can just think about getting your arms extended, you're going to have successful at-bats. Now, the Astros won't have Jose Altuve with them. He will be uh, in Sugar Land on a rehab assignment, and he's uh, going to, I believe at least, I expected to return uh, for their series opener with the Mariners on May 2nd. Uh, we saw Jeremy Pena lead off when the Jays were in Houston. We saw him dropped in the order. We saw him hit the walk-off home run uh, against the uh, against the Blue Jays in the series finale, Jeff. What should we expect from the Astros lineup this, this weekend in terms of the leadoff spot? And what have... What have the Astros learned about Jeremy Pena, perhaps, in the absence of Jose Altuve? Uh, first off with the lineup, you know, it, it completely changed when the Astros got to the Texas Rangers. We saw Chaz McCormick at the top of the lineup, and he actually provided a, a leadoff home run in the third game of that four-game series. So there might be an opportunity for him to lead off, especially with Kikuchi, Kikuchi on the mound, you know, a left-handed pitcher. They usually have a chance to put a right-handed hitter at the top of the lineup so that you can keep Michael Brantley, Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman in that middle part of the order to drive in runs. But it could be a revolving door, and it could be an opportunity to have Pena back at the top because the Astros love what they see in this young man. And in order for them to let Carlos Correa walk with the contract that he got with the Minnesota Twins really gives you the idea of how the Astros feel about Jeremy Pena. And, you know, everything we heard about him was great. There was some concern that he didn't have enough seasoning in the minor leagues to, to be able to compete at this level. But after watching him play and seeing that how real he is, you know, he's a very twitchy, you know, athletic type guy who's, whose bat is almost too quick at times because he finds himself susceptible to some off-speed pitches that he chases. 
But when he's able to get the barrel to the ball, I mean, you know, you guys got to see it that last game in Houston where he drove it out as center field against a Romano who's got electric stuff. And he, he plays a very, very, very competent shortstop. We've seen him make some great plays, but I love the fact that he's making every routine play. He's turning double plays. Uh, you know, he's getting outs with a runner at third base, uh, you know, with two outs. He's making some of those high leverage type plays, but he is a very, very nice addition. And it's understandable why the Astros are so high on him, even to the, to the point that they let go an all-star shortstop and let him replace him. Kyle Tucker got off to a slow start last seven games, got two homers and nine RBIs. Are you seeing anything different, or does he just need to get his feet wet? The more bats he's got, the better hitter he's going to be. I, I do think, you know, he got off to a slow start last year, and I do think there is a, a little bit of a process to him getting ready for the season that maybe got lost in spring training because of the shortened spring training. But in the last couple of games, he's been working hard with the, the hitting coaches, Troy Snicker, Alex Cintron. And I think that, you know, there was just a little hitch in his swing. He was a little, he was getting to the backside, but he wasn't really driving through the baseball. He wasn't hitting against that front side. So he got kind of stuck on the backside and started to throw the barrel at it, which kind of got him in the zone, out of the zone with his swing. And Kyle has such a unique swing that when he's right, he can stay through the zone. And that's the adjustment I think he made or finally found something that allowed him to kind of unhook that swing from the backside and get it going towards the front side. And it really paid off because he hit some, some tough sliders the other way. He got a hanging slider yesterday from Matt Bush that he turned on and put down the right field line. And that swing is really starting to come around, but he's got that feel of getting on the backside and then pushing off of it instead of staying on that backside. So yeah, there was a couple of mechanical adjustments and then obviously getting a couple of knocks boost that confidence. And uh, he, he should be getting going here pretty soon. Jeff, tell me, I, I was a, whenever I played, I was a guy that had to wear batting gloves. I couldn't, I, my, my hands, it hurt my hands too much to, to not use batting gloves. Kyle, I've seen him use them, and when he's struggling, no, I've seen him not use them, and when he's struggling, he wears them. Is there a reason for that, and, and what different feel would that give him just by mixing up whether he's wearing them or he's not wearing them? Uh, well, I was with you. I wore batting gloves the entire time I played, too. I loved, you know, the pine tar, the stickum, and I knew if I got any of that on my hands, it was going to rip them to shreds. But Kyle Tucker's reason for using batting gloves, the two times I've seen him use it, is desperation. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he gets in a funk. You know, there, there were two chance, two times this year he's already been 0 for 18, so I know when he gets in a little bit of a funk and he's not feeling he's like, screw it. I've tried to fix my swing. I'm going to do something just totally drastic and put on the batting gloves. And it was kind of funny that he had that game where he put on the batting gloves, got three hits, tried it the next day, went over, took the batting gloves off and said, screw it, I'm going back to my old school ways. So I think for him it's just a des an act of desperation when he puts the batting gloves on because he's way more comfortable when he doesn't have any batting gloves at all. It's amazing what we do to get hits, right? And last one, last one, for, exactly. last one, yeah, last one before we let you go. Urquidy's pitching tonight. Obviously, we talk about uh, you say Kikuchi. Same guys. Who has the advantage when that's back-to-back -back starts against the same team? Is it the pitcher or is it the hitters? Uh, I, I feel like the hitters have a little more confidence going to the plate when they faced a guy recently because you can make that adjustment instead of waiting a couple of months and going. Man, what did I do against him last time? How did he pitch me? And having to get to that video, I think having it fresh in your mind gives you a better better opportunity when you step in the box to have the confidence to try and get a pitch to hit. But I think Urquidy is going to really have to make an adjustment. He he works fast. 
He throws a lot of strikes in the strike zone, but where he gets hurt is throwing too many strikes over the fat part of the plate. I think if he can make the adjustment, get on the edges both inside and outside, and actually try and attack the top part of the zone with his fastball, he's going to have a certain amount of success. And the same thing with Kikuchi. You know, if he can actually cut his fastball and use that fastball early in counts to get ahead so he can get to his good off-speed pitches, he'll be a little bit better. But I think early on you're going to see these hitters maybe a little more aggressive early in counts uh, trying to get some good pitches to hit. And that'll probably be where the you know some of these hitters make the adjustment as being aggressive on certain pitches earlier in the count than being passive. Jeff, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Great stuff. No, always, yeah, appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Take care. That's Jeff Blum. He's the Astros TV analyst. Be three good games this weekend at the Rogers Center. Tonight's Bow Flow night, isn't it? The uh, bobblehead, the Bow Flow bobblehead. I believe so. I believe so. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny. You talk about Tucker. Betty has a, Betty has a big game. Betty has a big game. Well, I really hope so. It, it was funny uh, listening to him talk about Tucker and using the batting clubs when he's when he's searching. Jeff, I've used. Uh, it got so bad sometimes when I was struggling that I used bigger cleats. I'd use. I, I normally use. I normally wore twelve. I'd wear thirteens before when I was struggling. Just little things to give it a different feel. When I walked in the batter's box, no kidding. Like nothing else would change. My uniform looks the same. I use the same bat. I use the same gloves. Whose same cleats batting gloves. Did you use? Did, I, did you I got just my have eight, a spare pair of, of extra no, large cleats around? I I would call my agent because I would either if I was in the big leagues, I'd have a Nike contract. If I was in the minor leagues, I had an Under Armour contract. I'd call my agent and go, "Hey, I need a bigger size cleat." He's like, "Why?" I'm like, "Have you seen my stats the last two weeks?" <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That is not a lie. We'll do oh whatever it takes to get some hits, but <laughs> yeah, and I know better than to ask you what the weirdest thing you've ever done was to get a hit. Yeah. I've, Nope. I've, I've gone down. That, nah, you, you, we can't. We don't. We're not. No, we're not. We're not. We're not going to. No, we will not go there. But you know where we will go. It's time for Barker's back leg bits. That's the story of Barker's career right there. When Barker's like, get out of here. You know, what the hell's going on? I don't know who he was playing to. But Barker's like, get up, get out of here. And the guy's right at the fence. Like, I got this one, you know. The umpires would throw the balls out. Like, hey, Barker's up. Bring in the six balls. We need the dead ones. Bring in the dead ones. Barker's back leg bits. I'm oh, going to get Lance brilliant, for that. Lance. That is uh, brilliant. That's that that's is tremendous. brilliant. That's our new. That's our new. That's our new thing. I mean, well done to Lance Kennedy. Oh, All man. over it. All he got over me. it. He got it me. is Barker's. It is Barker's. Barker's back leg bits where we, uh, <laughs> where we get you the listener, or the viewer, or both, to uh, submit questions for Kevin Barker. And then I sort of try to stand out of the way. But a lot of times I have to step in to correct Barker and his answers. But anyhow. It's rare. It, yeah, it is rare. It is rare. Uh, got a lot of, we got a lot of questions for you today. Uh, a lot of good ones. Cardassia Prime. Has anyone made the argument? Now, okay, this is, this is vintage baseball conspiracy theory stuff. Actually, maybe not baseball conspiracy theory. This is, this is someone who has spent time thinking about stuff. Has anyone made the argument that offense is down in MLB because of PitchCom? Perhaps sign-stealing was far more prevalent than we thought. Not knowing what's coming has made good hitters average, average hitters terrible, and terrible hitters 
unusable, or as we like to say, it's made terrible hitters, Baltimore Orioles. Elite hitters will always be elite. Okay, now, I want to ask you about that because, Kevin, we have seen, since the start of the year, we have seen pitchers, I'm sorry, we have seen hitters, hitters have problems with the the pace of the game because of pitch comp. We've seen guys step out a lot. We, of course, the, the thing with Aaron Judge, when, when, the, when the Jays were first in there, could pitch comp have an impact, one, in terms of signs not being stolen, and two, just the fact that, again, the natural rhythm of the game is being interfered with. I love it. Interesting I love it. It's a combination of, I'm sure, of all of that. The, the dead and ball, there's no doubt. The ball's, there's something up with the baseball. But the pitch com, that would, the pitch com would chat me if I were a hitter. I would yell at people. I would yell at catchers. I would yell at umpires. Stop rushing me. Like, hitting the baseball's hard enough until you trying to rush me, get me in the batter's box, clapping. You see the umpires clap a couple yes. times. Trying to get the, That's my trying to get the hitter Let's in the go. box. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, you do your job. You're having a tough enough time doing that. You worry about yourself, Slick. There'd be, there'd be some serious conversations going on. But, yeah, it's it's these guys throw so hard, and they their secondary pitches move so much that sometimes you got to think about it. Like, you got, you got to get the game a little bit. And yeah. I absolutely – it works. That's why the when you're stealing signs, they're trying to steal them because it works. You're giving yourself a better chance to get a hit, especially with all the shifts and how hard they're throwing. That's a great call. That I'm sure it has a little something to do with it. I love Chris Halliday had a great question, too. We often focus on signing and extending Vlad and Bo. I love this, Chris. But at what point does Manoa become the second priority after you make that tough decision of extending Vlad or Bo? I'm already there. It's tough, but they will have to. This is Chris's thing. I think it's tough, but at some point they're going to have to trade one of Vlad or Bo. Hopefully not for a while. But his point is maybe we got to start thinking about Alec Manoa. Now, people forget that Alec Manoa renewed his contract this year as well. He did not, quote-unquote, come to terms with the Jays. He forced the Jays to renew him much as Bo Bichette did. I, You've got to, Kevin, if this guy's numbers keep going the way they're going, at some point, I think you've got to sit down with 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 Alec Manoa, and talk about extending him. I'm going to talk about that. this. You could have, you could have you could have Manoa, Gossman, and Barrios locked up I, for the next four or five years, man. I'm going to talk about this coming from a player's perspective. I'm not going to talk about this as an organizational thing. If I'm the player and I'm as good as Alec Manoa and I continue to pitch that way, why would you take less money? Just because it's it's security for your family when you know if you continue to do what you're doing and arbitrational-wise, you're going to make more money and you're going to make decent money off the field with endorsements and those kind of things. These players are going to be a little careful about how they are so quick to sign deals. Organizations are going to these young players and trying to give them money because they know if they throw enough at them that they're going to take it because they think it's enough. Some of these players are going to buy into themselves, trust themselves in what they're doing, and not take the first offer that they're getting. The Cunha Jr., for me anyway, has sort of screwed it up for organizations to get by with paying guys not what they deserve or whatnot because of just by saying yep. you give Acuna Jr. $100 million bucks when he's worth way more than that. If I'm Alec Manoa, why would I take less money? Just begin, just because I'm getting it. I'm a good pitcher. I know it. I'm going to try and take every cent that I can possibly get. 
So I probably don't see that happening anytime soon. It might, but I don't think I see it happening. Yeah, I, I, I don't get the impression Alec Manoa is going to give anybody a hometown discount. And I Why would tell he? you the truth. I wouldn't either, man. I, I've said. No you chance. Get paid, get paid what you can get, man. Get as much as you can as soon as you can. It's the way the world works for everybody else. It's the way the world should work for Alec Manoa, too. Mark, thanks for doing this. Uh, you're going to be up late tonight, Houston and Toronto. We'll be doing Blue Jays talk following the game. We will be back Monday, 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, The Fan and 360. Again, please rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast. Have yourself a great Friday and an even better weekend.